1: To be adopted by God is truly an extravagant claim, a love that is dearly lavished upon us. So what does that mean? Well, Let's talk about that next. (laughs) To be adopted by God means that we are His children, heirs and co-heirs with Christ. Believers in Christ are sons, no longer slaves. So what is the difference? What marks the difference? And what is it that changes us from slavery to sonship? Well, the answers to those questions can be found here in the book of Galatians, and that's precisely where we head today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Won't you join us? Here's Pastor Phil with today's broadcast.
2: You are all sons of God. To faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son... God has made you also an heir. What Paul is saying is, no, we are not under the law. We are in Christ. My converts in Galatia don't need Christ plus circumcision. And they don't need Christ plus the law. Well, what do you get then when you get Christ? And I just want to enumerate and uh, the nine things I see, because I don't know how far I'll get. If I if I cover three and I stop, at least you know I know there's nine. <laughs> so we don't know how far I'll get. But let me point out to you what he says. You get in Christ that you never could have got by being under the law. Number one, believers become sons of God. Two, believers are baptized into Jesus Christ. Three, believers are clothed with Jesus Christ. Verse 28, believers are made one in Jesus Christ. Twenty-nine, believers become the seed of Abraham in Christ. Then he goes to the illustration of chapter 4, and he's saying believers are treated like adult sons. He says we're sons at first, now he underscores, were treated like adult sons. And there was a big difference in the ancient world in being a son and treated like an adult son. Then he says, believers are redeemed through Christ. Verse 5. Then he says, believers have been introduced to an affectionate, accepting relationship with God as father. Accepting and affectionate. (laughs) Lastly, believers are heirs and not slaves. Heirs and not slaves. So, let us begin the journey. Verse 26. Believers in Christ become sons. Did you know that under the law, no one was ever called a son of God? No one. He called angels sons of God and Job... Because of their individual creation. He called Adam, the first man he created, that came right from his hand, a son of God. He, in Hosea, called the nation of Israel. Out of Egypt I have called my son Israel. But never did he individually, Abraham, Moses, Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, none of them were ever called sons of God. Never. Never. In Christ you become a son. In Christ you come into a family through a new birth, in which we use two words to describe this. One side, I became a child of God, and the Greeks use the word "technon." Then this word he'll be describing, we also became sons, "huios." When he calls you a child. He's underscoring you've got the life of the Father in you. You're the offspring. Nicodemus, you must be born from above. Uh, You become his child. Emphasis upon the begetting new life. Having the sperm in you of the Father. Exactly what 1 John says. Our nature's been transformed. We cannot practice sin because his seed is in us. But then when it comes over to sonship, is a term of privilege. That it's not just talking about the begetting and you having this life, but you're in a status of a privilege to be called the son. And in that status, you are to carry out the characteristics of the father. We have explicatives that say, you're the son of a perverse woman. And we have other words we use. But the idea is you're acting bad because you're warped by the mother you had. That's the whole meaning of the explicative. They use it in the ancient world. You're the son of Belial. And what they mean, you have the nature of a god of Belial. And Belial was the god of flies, which was another word for demons. So you're a son of Belial. You act like him. You're sons of thunder, he said to James and John, because they wanted to burn up the city. You're acting like thunder. You're destructive. But now, in Christ, you have become a son of God. And that is, you have family privilege, family representation to do. God has stooped in Christ to even make Gentiles and Jews, apart from the law, something they could never be under the law, sons. The Jew could become a bar mitzvah, Jewish boy. That made him a son of the law, but not a son of God. By believing the gospel that Paul preached, by believing this gospel in Christ alone, through faith alone, you become God's sons. He goes on to say, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Baptized into Christ, what does that mean? Well, The majority, let me be honest and fair, the majority of all commentators say this is water baptism. And so they say at the moment you were baptized, uh, you put on Christ. At the moment you were baptized, uh, you know, old things passed away uh, and all like that. We believe in water baptism. I think we did it the first Sunday night. We do it the first Sunday night of every month. So we love to baptize you if you've never been baptized. But we ask this question. Does water baptism put you into Christ? Are there any other baptisms in Scripture? Yeah. There's John's baptism. John the Baptist. That was wet. Uh, Jesus was baptized some. And the Christian baptism. In all three, you get wet. But there's three dry baptisms. There's... John said that Jesus shall come and he shall baptize you in fire. That's pretty dry. No water around. He said that Jesus shall baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That's dry. No, no baptistry needed. Then, he said... Uh, then there's the baptism into Christ. For by one Spirit... 1 Corinthians 12, 13, where we all baptized, and the word baptized means immersed into, and the secondary symbolic meaning of baptism is identified with. Whatever you're baptized into, you're identified with. We were baptized into the body of Christ. Now, I use this in 1 Corinthians 10, that all of Israel were baptized into the cloud of Moses. They were identified with Moses coming out of Egypt. So we understand, and we're a minority now, but I think we're right. That when I believed in Jesus Christ, unknown to me, the Holy Spirit took me and he immersed me into Jesus Christ so that I'm no longer said to be in Adam, never again. I'm not under Adam because Adam is death, condemnation, And all that old identity. In Christ, I've become a brand new creation, right? So, I'm in a new creation. Well, who put me in it? Now, this was all invisible. I didn't know this if I didn't have the Bible. You couldn't know this. But I've been immersed into Christ. Now, what do I do in water baptism? Spirit baptism is real. It really happened. Water baptism is ritual in which we celebrate the truths that happen. We celebrate that we've now been placed into Christ. We've been buried with him. We rose again. But if the real baptism hasn't taken place first, the ritual one is all for nothing. You just got wet. But you never got into Christ. There's no place in the Bible that salvation is based on being water baptized. If it does, Christ and John over, I think, a hundred times says, believe on me and you'll be saved. And he never included water baptism. We believe in water baptism, but it does not complete the cross and it does not save. It celebrates the truths, celebrates the truths of our real identity with Christ. And so we've gone public that I am now united to a new one. My identity is now with Christ. And, you know, you get a good country song that says, I'm stepping out tonight, I'm taking off my ring. Now, what are they saying? I'm going to pick up a little action if I can. Because I want to take off my identity. I really am married. And after the night, I'll put the ring back on. Now, there's some believers that haven't put the ring on. They haven't gone public that they belong to Christ. And you need to get baptized. Matter of fact, we start the water right now for you. <laughs> because you're doing it. Does the ring marry you? Does that make me married? No. It's symbolic that I'm not ashamed to be identified as I've spoken for. And I value my life. <laughs> See? So I wear the identifying badge. And so water baptism became, it was almost synonymous with being saved in the New Testament because you were usually kicked out of the family. You came under persecution. It was not a light thing to be baptized in the New Testament. So we believe in it. by one Spirit, I would understand, we've been placed into Christ. Colossians two twelve, Romans 6, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. That I've been placed into the real body of Christ by a baptism that was done by the Spirit. Now, in that baptism, guess what happened? Uh, I, being plunged into Christ, he uses the analogy, it's like I became clothed with Christ. You see that? You've clothed yourselves with Christ. Now, this is very interesting. What was it about sin that made man feel naked? Uh, Did did Adam and Eve take a a class on ethics and said nudity is kind of bad? Now, here they, in in a pristine, pure state, there were no inhibitions, no vulgarities, nothing out of the way. As soon as sin entered, something went off in them psychologically that says you are not fit to appear before each other showing all that you are nor had God better find you in this condition. So we see them scouring, killing for the first time uh, themselves, killing a plant by stripping it of its fig leaves. And fig leaves don't last too long, you know. They rot. They dry out. So it sure wasn't permanent and so here they, God shows up and they're standing here, the fig leaf. Uh, and I can imagine what Adam's looked like if he was no better than me at making something. But they felt their need for covering. Sin makes you feel your need for a covering. And God says, No, I'll go kill some animals. That won't do. He kills the animals, he covers them. Very interesting. As the Bible developed, there was a word that came about. God told Israel, if you're to have a relationship with me, somebody's got to cover your garbage. I've been reading recently on ecology problems, how that these different cities are running out of landfill. They're running out of any place to put the garbage. Uh, do we, if we incinerate it, we're going to uh, contribute to global warming because you can't send up all those flames. But if we, d- we don't watch out, we're taking over all this space. Where do you cover the garbage? Under the Old Testament, he said, you shall kaffar the garbage. You shall cover it. And the word kaffar was our word atonement. You must make atonement for man. Cover him. And and when he built the tabernacle, he said, I will look on the law, I will look on the mercy seat, and I will judge you unless you put a layer of blood there. If you put a layer of blood, I will suspend judgment, for I will accept blood in the place of the guilty. Now what God has done, when he immersed you into Christ, he put Christ on you as an external garment, and now he sees you covered. You are covered in the righteousness of Christ. We used to sing a song. Uh, We have come into this place to magnify his name and worship him. And then we'd go into this one stand. uh, He is all my righteousness. I stand complete in him and worship him. He is all my righteousness. Now wait, is that true? He is all my righteousness. Isaiah said, You've got bed coverings that don't cover your feet. You're too tall. But in Christ, this robe fits everybody that comes by faith. It's far enough to cover everything wrong with you. You're covered. I think of the Old Testament story of Mephibosheth that when David came to the throne, he asked, Is there anybody in the household of Saul still alive? And they said, yeah, he's got a crippled boy over here named Mephibosheth. And uh, according to the text, Mephibosheth became crippled because his nurse was fleeing some enemies. And she dropped him on the ground and he became crippled in his ankles, messed up his feet. But David said, I want to know if if there's anybody out there. They said, you've got the crippled boy. That's all that's left of the household of Saul. He said, bring him to my court. But sir, in Oriental courts, we don't allow cripples in the court. If we have a visiting foreigner and they have a crippled man, they will think you're showing them disrespect because everything in the court is to be the best you've got to show off. You can't have a cripple boy at a king's table. David brought the boy in. He talked to him. He said, let me tell you what I'm going to do. It's customary to kill off all the previous ruler's children. But I made a vow to your old daddy, Jonathan. And I told him if I ever made it to being a king, I'd be good to his posterity just out of my great love for Jonathan. And he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to arrange with you. I'm going to arrange where you could sit at my table all the time. And what we'll do, we'll simply keep the tablecloth over your feet and we'll inscribe on the tablecloth... The seat that mercy provided. And when you sit there, we'll keep your crippled condition covered. And when these kings come and go, they won't know a cripple boy is sitting at the table because I'll have you covered. And you know what God has done for us who were crippled through the fall? He has clothed you in the one that lets you sit in the king's court. And brings you into a king's family. And we sit at the table of grace. Covered by grace. Because Jesus has got you covered. You're covered in his righteousness. That's how you get to the table. You know this could even make this church happy. Once you understand it. This is happy stuff. Uh, And Don't tell me you've heard it before. I'm waiting for you to believe it. I'm waiting for you to enjoy it. That's the joy here. Now notice, in in, in this clothing, when you walk in the room, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek. It doesn't matter if you're slave or free. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, for you are all one in Christ. When I meet a person... I'm kind of concerned about everything about them until they say one word. Oh, by the way. In other words, I'm concerned. How did you vote? you Republican, Democrat. I really don't care less. I mean, get out of here. Is that where your hope is? Please. That's why I don't do political preaching. My politics are in heaven. My politics are in heaven. I'm a citizen up there. And believe me, when you get there, you'll be glad... He's the governor. No new taxes. And everything works. Everything works. Streets of gold. But um, I've been in places where Christians... I remember when I was in Dallas. North Dallas, I only knew one man. John Pugh was the only Democrat I met in all those churches. Everybody else Republican. And if you voted Democrat, they would kind of question your salvation. I said, you surely didn't grow up in Contra Costa County. Surely you don't know. They said, we've heard about you and we don't want to be there. And uh, real humble about it. But in Christ, the things that divide people is race, social standing, rich, poor, management, uh, employees, educated, uneducated, race, Jew, Gentile, white, black, whatever racial thing you want. Uh, Sunnis, Shiites, Croatians, Czechs. We'll find something to fight about. And then he said, um, gender. Oh, man, if we can agree on race, no woman better be pushing me around. She better stay in her place. She said, I want to stay in my place. I'm making arsenic for your soup. <laughs> And the racial tension has gone on ever since, Uh, rather the gender thing is bigger than any probably, from the fall. The hostility between the race and also between the genders. The man will be harsh to the woman, it said, and the woman shall seek to dominate him. And the tension goes on and on. Being in the Muslim world on different mission trips, believe me, women are not treated uh, like they are in Christ. Let me tell you women something. Uh, sometimes Christianity gets bashed as though we're the sovinistic religion. And that uh, we don't know what to do with you women but keep you pregnant, barefooted, and submit. Well, that's just a bunch of baloney. Let me tell you, in Christ, when you come before God, he's not looking for gender, race, or whether you're slave or free. He's saying, are you clothed in my son?
1: That you might grow in Christ and find encouragement in the day-to-day lives that we lead as believers in Christ. It is a challenge to live in a dead and dying world, is it not? Especially knowing heaven awaits us. So it is a delight to be able to come to you on a daily basis and provide you with this encouragement from God's Word as we teach and train and, and preach the gospel of Christ for the glory of God and your good. This is Truth For Today, Pastor Phil Howard, taking us to God's word that we might be mutually edified in grace. If you have questions or comments about the broadcast, maybe you would like to hear the program again. We have a couple of ways that you can reach us. The easiest, of course, is our phone number, 855-833-9864. If you would rather visit our website and work through the website, you can do so, truthfortodayradio.org. A lot of resource materials available there besides our podcasts. You'll also take advantage of the many other resources, books, and materials. It's all at truthfortodayradio.org. You can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is our zip code. And as we conclude our time today, we would invite you to link arms with us financially and prayerfully. These programs come to you on a daily basis, and even our extended resource materials found at our website are available as you link arms with us, partnering with us financially and prayerfully, whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. Please consider how you might come alongside and partner with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ to the greater Bay Area. We'd love to hear from you. Here's that phone number once again. 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And our website, you can securely give a donation there as well, truthfortodayradio.org. And then we would also invite you to join us for worship. If you're not involved in a fellowship near you, consider this an official invitation to join us here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. For directions and information, you can visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or, again, call 855-833-9864. And then, would you please mention that you were invited by the radio broadcast to one of our ushers? It would mean a great deal to us. Whether you visit us in person, or simply stop by our website, or listen to us here on the radio, we hope to see you next time we get together. For another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.